Lord does amazing things. We get to pray with people. We get to meet new people. We get to see what's going on in our world today. And there's a lot going on in our world today. And this morning, Paul is observing the people. He's observing the culture. He's observing their religion or their worship. And sometimes we got to get outside of our little bubble and go outside of our bubble to see what's going on in our world today. One of the greatest things about this church on 23rd and Drexel is we get to see a bunch of different people and different cultures doing different things right here in the city. We are truly a city church and that is amazing. So, praise God for you that participated in Mission OKC. Praise God for you that prayed for those that participated in Mission OKC. Praise God for his church, being the church in the community in which God has blessed us with. So not only are we going to North Africa, across the world, but we're going right into our own backyards and doing the exact same things that we did in North Africa. Praise God for that. We continue in our study in the book of Acts. Acts is about the movement of God through his spirit. Jesus, who resurrected from the dead, tells his disciples to wait for the power. And what is that power? The power is the Holy Spirit because he will come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. What a great promise there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And now Paul is extending that promise through the Holy Spirit and the power upon the disciples of Christ to go to the ends of the earth. He's on his second missionary journey. He's just crossed over the Aegean Sea into what we would call today Europe. And now he makes his way to the great city of Athens. All right, before we start this morning, I want to ask you a question so uh, you, can, you can reflect with Pastor Rob. We'll call this reflection with Pastor Rob. Sometimes we got to reflect in our own hearts what God is doing, so let's do that together. But let me ask you this question. What stirs your heart? Okay. What, what motivates you toward action? All right. Think about that. That's it. It's a really good question. Uh, what makes you tick? What gets you up in the morning, right? What, what drives you to do what you do? It's good to ask these questions to ourselves, and let's ask them right now. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the quarterback that slings the football in the air and 86,000 people rise to their feet in Gaylord Memorial Stadium. Maybe it causes you to stand up, right? Or, or maybe it's the feeling of sand under your toes that makes you want to go jump into the ocean, seeing the waves crash against the sand. Maybe it's, maybe it's your child who's crying and it drives you to go run to them, right? your mother you understand that father maybe not so much sometimes but you understand somewhat maybe it's the end of the month paycheck that gets you to keep clocking in the next week and the next week what what drives you to do what you do what stirs your 
heart and your affections for the things of life. You see, Paul is in this place called Athens, and he sees these many temples and statues and idols and these so-called little g-gods. And Paul is stirred up in his heart. He's called to action. He is provoked to go and do something. And that something is to share the gospel with those in his city. You see, today's passage wakes us up to the reality around us to see people and culture and understand there are many who do not know the one true God and the salvation through Christ. So let's read that passage now that we've kind of reflected self-reflection in our hearts. Let's see what happens here with Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 16. That's where we're going to start today. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. It's, it's in the New Testament, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. If you'll stand with us in the reading of God's word, it's, it's what we do here because we believe that the word has power and authority in our own lives And so whatever we do, we read this passage, it changes our hearts and minds. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. As he saw the city was full of idols, so he reasoned in the synagogues and the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the area of Gopagus and saying, may we know what this new teaching is you're presenting? For For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's not actually far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own prophets have said, for we indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art or imagination of man, the times of ignorance God Overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And this 
He has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. You can be seated. Let's pray. What a story. What a story this is. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you for giving us the example of Paul of going into a culture that does not know you nor want to know you. And showing them the truth of the gospel. And calling them to repentance. Father, give us the boldness and wisdom that we need to be a people who trust in you. Who look in our cultures for bridges to find you. And allow people to see the truth that is in Christ and the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My wife and I went to Thailand 13 years ago. That's a long time ago now. And uh, hopefully we'll go back next year. We, we plan on taking a trip. We hope to take some of you with us um, in 2022. In December, we hope to take a uh, mission trip there. But uh, we didn't realize what we were getting to. We went there to live for two years. And we really had no idea uh, what we were getting ourselves into. But I can remember the first time... I encountered people bowing down to images of bronze and silver and gold. Um, the smell and, and the scene of humans offering up sacrifices and burning these candles and, and bowing down. Um, I don't know if you can see that picture very well, but it's an image of, of just people, all ages, young people, old people. There's even some foreigners in the background there, and they're, they're, they don't know what they're doing. And um, you, have, you have a water bottle, right? <laughs> There's a water bottle. Somebody's offered a water bottle to this idol. You have oranges, you have money, you have people lighting candles, you have people praying on their knees, you have people with plastic flowers that they sell outside the, the temple. And they're offering these things to idols, what they would call the Buddha. And... and I don't, I don't know if you can see this image, but it breaks your heart. I took this image you know, kind of like this as I'm walking away, right? I didn't want to like, hey, I'm going to take an image of you while you worship. But I, I kind of took it in, in that regard. But we ended up staying in the village for um, two months. And the next door neighbor to us, I mean, the house is not large. And probably half of his house was a shrine built to his idols. I'll show you this picture. So if his house is, is, if that's half of the room right there, half of his house is built to idols. Now he has, he has all sorts of food and alcoholic beverages. He has all sorts of Hindu gods in this picture. 
There's all sorts of really anything to worship. He's got bananas in there that he's offering to these people. He pours out alcohol to offer to the gods. He is, he is all in on his worship of idols. And, and, and he changes his, uh, his, his setup. He changes his altar frequently. You go to the next picture. That's his altar when we left. That was a couple years later. He's got some Chinese gods mixed in there. He's got the king of Thailand that he's, he's put up there. And, and it's just so devastatingly painful um, to look at this. But, but I've got to ask the question that, that I normally ask myself. Why? What, why? Why would people do that? Right? Why would they give their money, their, their food, their time? Why would they prostrate themselves on the ground to worship an idol? Uh, why would you fill half of your house and, and buy all these alcoholic beverages and, and, the, and this food uh, and burn this, this incense. And, and, and the answer is they truly believe that these little gods will help them in their life. That, that's the sad part. They, they truly believe they, that these little G gods will bring them prosperity or happiness or health. They, they offer these sacrifices to these gods. They worship these gods because they believe that they are worthy of their worship. That they can actually do something. Paul, Paul sees this type of worship and he's, he's moved. The word says he's provoked. And he's provoked to do what? He's provoked to go into their world, into their marketplace and talk to them about it. What? Why are you worshiping this God? Well, I want prosperity in my life. I want to have a lot of money. Therefore, I will worship this little G God. And Paul tells them that there is a God who is worthy of worship. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I believe people will not share the gospel to their neighbor. I believe that they will not share the gospel to the person across the street. I believe they will not share the gospel in their workplace. I believe they will not share the gospel to people overseas until they are provoked by the lostness of mankind until they're provoked by the misguided worship, they will not share the gospel. We just spent all month and all week in our city 
And I pray that if anything, you saw the need for the gospel. If anything, you were out there and seeing people and their need for the one true God and Jesus and the hope that is in Jesus. And if you didn't, I pray that this sermon awakens your soul to the reality of idolatry in our culture and the need to go into people's worldview and point them to Jesus. Let's look at verse 16. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. This is our first point this morning is thus. A lack of worship of God should stir our heart into action. A lack of worship of God should stir our heart into action. Literally, Paul is upset, provoked terminology. He was stirred up when he saw the city full of idols. Even today when you go to Athens and some of you have been there, you can see the buildings and the temples that were built to their gods. There was an ancient saying in Athens, it was, it's easier to find a god in Athens than a man. They had so many little g gods. Everywhere you look in Athens today, it's temple ruins. You can imagine the city in its heyday, people from all over the world coming to look at this city, to worship in these beautiful buildings, to see the beautiful temples, to experience the city of Athens. Even after Rome's dominance, Athens was the intellectual capital of the world. A great university was in Athens. A huge center for the arts was in Athens. And of course, Athens hosted the Olympics, the sporting events. And Paul is provoked to the point that where he begins sharing with everyone he can about this Jesus and the resurrection. Now some of you are like, man, this is a real neat story. I, I like this story but I don't see anybody worshiping golden statues here in America. Let's just define idolatry for a minute. Idolatry is defined as something that takes the place of God, okay? So whether you're bowing down to the statue or you're just making it your God with your worship, it's idolatry, putting God before the one true God. Remember I told you that uh, in Thailand they would bow down to these statues so that, and they would sacrifice to them so that they could get something from them? The same is true in Athens. They would offer sacrifices to get something in return. Here, here are some of their Greek and Roman gods of the day that they would worship. I'm sure none of us relate to these things. The first god is this, Artemis, the goddess of prosperity, money. 
If you wanted that, you would go to her temple and make offerings to her. And that was supposed to bring you prosperity and money. How about this one? Athena, the goddess of wisdom and politics. Doesn't relate to us much, I know. We don't deal with that very often. In her temple, uh, they, they, had, they, they had a picture of Zeus and, and Zeus's head being split open and her being taken out. If you wanted to be smart to have wisdom, if you wanted to be political and understand politics, you would go to her and you would offer sacrifices to her. How about this one, Nike? We've never heard of that. The goddess of victory, worshipped by athletes and warriors, and Michael Jordan, who made you run faster, jump higher, and soar above the competition. So if you wanted to be a great athlete, you would worship at the feet of Nike. Aphrodite, the goddess of sexuality, beauty, fertility. That doesn't relate to our culture at all. Any com- no commercial would relate to Nike or Aphrodite. Nothing. I've never seen that. How about this one? Cloacina, the goddess of the sewer system. I'm not sure how you would sacrifice to her, but uh, you might light a candle or something. Not sure how that all works. So these things really have nothing to do with the gods that we have today, Right? Prosperity, wisdom, human reason, politics, Nike, victory, sex, beauty, fitness. No issues there with uh, the American idolatry. No, we worship the same gods that they did in Athens. Because we offer our time, our money, our energy, our resources to these things in our world today. It looks different. Not bowing down to a statue. But these idols often replace God himself. As we pour everything we have into gaining these things. Tim Keller says, look at whatever buildings in your city are the biggest. Those usually indicate the idols of your city. We have, in Oklahoma City, we have Devon Tower, Bank First Tower. So what does that represent? Money, oil, power? Paycom Center, where the thunder play. Football stadiums. It's okay to be in awe of these things. But, but it is a bit ironic, right, that people go to these places to gather together, to pay lots of money, to go in, stand up, sit down, yell real loud, sing songs, praise these warriors who play this game, right? It's, it, it's ironic. I'm a football fan, right? I watched the games last night. I love attending these games. I enjoy a nice steak at the top of Devon Tower. God has given these things for our enjoyment, yet... When we worship the creation rather than the creator, we begin to be given over to a depraved mind, 
fixating upon these things made by human hands rather than the creator and his great salvation. So may these things not replace the creator God in our life and become idols to which we live for. God, God tells the, the Israelites when they leave Egypt to bring with them all the spoils, all the riches, all the gold, all the beauty, all those things, bring it with you. Take it from the Egyptians. And what do they do with it? Instead of enjoying what God has given to them, they build an idol and they worship it. There's a distinct difference in enjoying what God has created and then worshiping it. Giving your time, your energy, your focus, your, your complete, everything you have to these things. When, when Paul saw all this godlessness and the pursuit, the depravity of man, the pursuit of self through creation of these gods, Paul began to do something. He began to reason with them. He began to help them understand there's more to life than themselves and their gods. Verse 18, this is what he says. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. What are Epicureans? Epicureans are people who, who want pleasure. They want to avoid pain at all costs. And that was their, their reason for living. Live it up because there's nothing after. They're hedonists. Live for the pleasure of today. The Stoicists are on the opposite end of the spectrum. They're trying to rid themselves from all pleasure and pain till there is no feeling left. Think Spock from Star Trek. No pain, intolerable, no desire, you cannot overcome. You basically want to get to no feelings. Very Buddhist of them to think that, right? But two different life philosophies, both at each end of the, pers- the, 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 the spectrum. Live it up as best as you can for all the pleasures of the world. Abstain from any type of pleasure, right? And they're both there and they're debating which is better. And Paul comes in and says, no, God is better. Jesus is better. And they, they seem to be, be, be thinking to themselves, what is he actually saying? He's, he's taking sides of both. He's like, enjoy what God has given in his creation and 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 and. And yet, abstain from, the, from the, the pleasures of the world. How does this work? It's enjoy Jesus. En- enjoy Christ. Make him your God. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful picture. And, and, and he says right here in, in the second part, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. Babbler literally means a seed picker. The word provokes an image of a bird pecking at seeds in the barnyard. They thought 
Paul was randomly picking up ideas here and there, no depth of understanding at all. I used to be offended when people I would talk to about the gospel thought I was just uneducated, unlearned. But I realize now this is the way it just always has been. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says this, that where is the one who is wise, where is the scribe, where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I love, I love that uh, it says here, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Let's preach that. Let's preach that. It, it really is the reason why we're here today. We believe Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, we are witnesses of that fact, that he is who he says he is, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him, that there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. This is why we're not replacing God with an idol that will burn up, that will not last, that will not bring ultimate fulfillment in our life. We preach Jesus and the resurrection. Some people may think we're crazy, and that's okay. Verse 19, they took him and brought him to the area of Gopagus, saying, we may know this new teaching is that you're presenting for you bring some strange things to our ears we wish to know therefore what these things mean now all the Athenians and foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new so Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus said men of Athens I perceived that in every way you are very religious Now, he could, have, he could have said a lot of things. Hey, look at you guys worshiping these idols and, and uh, these statues. And, and what are you doing? What are, what are you thinking? Uh, he, he actually begins with a compliment to these people. They would take this as a compliment. You are very religious. I mean, we, we could have used that in North Africa. You, I see that you're very religious. I see that you were, you were seeking something. And then he hits them with it. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. This is our second point this morning. God has revealed himself to mankind. God 
himself has revealed himself to mankind, not only through his creation, but through Jesus Christ. Paul, being a good missionary here, studies the people. If you want to reach people, you better study them. Better know what they believe, how the gospel relates to their worldview, and how you can share the gospel with them. What bridges to the gospel are there? He sees where God is already at work in their hearts and bridges them to the gospel. He places the cookies on the bottom shelf that people can understand who this God actually is. He begins by saying, I perceive that you are religious. You're searching for the one true God. Then he beelines for that one true God seeing by seeing that you have what is called an unknown God. Explaining to them the creator of all things. Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. God has revealed himself through his creation. Romans 1.20 says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You see, the creation screams that there is an all-powerful creator of the heavens and the earth. God has clearly revealed himself through his creation. You cannot say, bang, the world happened. With all its complexity, all the things of life, it is not plausible. Our world suggests that there is an artist, a designer, an orchestrator to this creation, and one who supplies life to all things. The other thing is, is God's word tells us that he has set eternity on the hearts of man. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. That means that people know that this is not the end. That they're living this life in a temporary fashion. One day we will all pass away. And they know that. Is this the end for me? God has set that in their heart to realize that it is not. Every person is longing to find eternity. There is a hole in their heart. I I truly believe people are searching for God. Paul here is exposing the inconsistencies of their false beliefs. He says the Lord of heaven doesn't live in temples made by human hands. He's not something that is created in which you bow down to, an object of worship, an idol. Verse 29, he says, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. And he even quotes from some of their own prophets 
or their own poets to point people to the fact that their gods are just statues. And how can they truly be God if they're made of stone, gold, and wood? Instead, he quote, instead of quoting the Old Testament, Paul uses language in which they know. Verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Even the secular world understands that there's more to life than prosperity, money, and sex. Okay? Quoting one of the world's own prophets, Zach Ephron. If you don't know him, that's okay. You probably probably should, but Zach Ephron is an actor, Hollywood. And he was explaining, so I'm going to quote one of their own prophets to explain to you why God exists. Okay? He said this, explaining why in his mid-twenties he had to check into an alcohol rehab facility. I had done films back to back to back. I was burnt out. There was something lacking, some sort of hole that I couldn't really fill up. I was just so deep into my work, it was really the only thing I had. I mean, you're in your 20s, you're single, you're going through life in Hollywood, you know? No, Zach, we don't know, okay? We don't know what it means to be a multimillionaire in Hollywood and single in your 20s. But Zach is saying... He has something unfulfilled with his own life, even if he has it all. Isn't that interesting? Because you have all the things doesn't mean that you are happy. Doesn't mean that you are fulfilled. Is your God worth the things you sacrifice for? Is it? If your God is money, you sacrifice your family, your integrity to get it, is it worth it? I believe that we can learn from Paul on his trip to Athens that we should be stirred by the lostness around us, that we should encourage people about the one true God and his salvation through Christ Jesus. I believe that we should study people, what they believe, how they act, how they think, what their worldview is. And I think we should build bridges to God who has revealed himself in nature and placed eternity in our hearts. I believe that we should question people's thought process and allow them to see the need for the resurrection of Christ. Look at verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And all this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You know, you almost, when you talk to people, you almost want to say, you know, you may have never been confronted with this before, 
You may have been ignorant of the fact that there is a holy and righteous God and he's coming to judge again according to your deeds. And he has provided a way of salvation through Christ. But now that you know you're responsible for that, God sent me here to tell you that. And now you got to do something about it. Just as Paul was provoked to action because you know, you got to respond. This is our last point here. Some believed, some did not, but this is our last point here. The resurrection is our assurance. Paul says it like this. Of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Everything in our faith comes back to the resurrection of Christ. If he truly resurrection, then our faith is real. If he did not, we are pitied among men. Paul says that in the Corinthian church. There is a God who is coming to judge the world of sin and he calls all men to repent to change their mind about their gods, about their ways, and to worship the one true God. And we know this is true because of the resurrection of Christ. God has revealed himself in his creation. He's revealed himself through his word, becoming flesh, making his dwelling among men. Jesus has come and he resurrected from the dead, conquering sin and death. And now he's calling all men to repent and believe upon him for salvation. This is Paul's sermon. This is Paul's talk. Everything hinges on the resurrection. It is the assurance of the proof that Jesus is worthy of our worship. Our hope that we will be like him in the resurrection because he was the perfect sacrifice for sinners. God has placed in our hearts a longing for eternity and Christ allows us to be with God forever. Jesus gave his life for you. It was no accident that he came. It was no accident that he died on the cross. It was no accident that he was the perfect sacrifice for sin to pay for the sins of the world, to be the gift from God to his creation for salvation. Paul's presentation of the gospel is no different than ours in today's world. God has shown himself in creation. He cannot be an idol, an object, an idea. Guess what? God has placed in your heart even the thought process that there may be an unknown God somewhere out there. Now, I'm telling you who he is. And he's calling you to repentance, to turn from your idolatry, to believe on the one who is resurrected from the dead. People are in need to be awoken from their status quo of idolatry to serve the true and living God. Let us continue to share that message with others. Let this not just be for Mission OKC, but continue on.
as we, the church that gathers at 23rd and Drexel, are stirred into action. Let us pray.